How are we doing this week? All right, good, good. I got a little bit more enthusiasm this week. That's what I like to hear. And so I'm so excited to have you uh, back here with us again this week. We're going to continue tonight in our study of the book of Galatians, uh, and we're in chapter one. Okay, so if you remember last week, we're going to do just a, a quick little recap. We're going to go back over what we talked about uh, last week, because I want everybody on the same page with me as we wrap up this first chapter. And uh, you may be thinking, it takes two weeks to read one chapter of the Bible? Absolutely. Uh, it could take longer, so... Uh, but we're gonna uh, we're gonna go on from here. And so what we uh, discovered was in those first ten verses, there in Galatians chapter one, is that when Paul starts writing his letter to the church, he begins to he begins by first he, Paul wants to remove as much of himself out of the picture as possible. And he wants all eyes to be focused on the Lord. He's the reason that he's in the position he's in. He's the reason. The Lord is the reason he's even writing these letters. And so Paul, when he writes, he says, look, I was not appointed by any man. I was not appointed by any governing authority, but I was only appointed by God. And he put me in this position. And so as we continue reading that, we begin to see that he begins to lay out the foundation, the basics once again. If you recall that, it, he begins to lay out the basics for the church and uh, in, in saying that, look, it is only through grace that the Lord provides that we are saved. It is only by grace. And as we continue, then we see Paul begins to bring up the problem that is sprouting up in the churches of Galatia. And the problem is, is that they are now being swayed. They're now being turned away from the gospel that Paul preached. They're being turned from that. They're being swayed away from that to a different gospel, uh, a lowercase g gospel. It is not one that is focused around uh, grace, but it is one that is focused around works. It is focused around your deeds, and it's focused around what you do. And, and Paul, just furious, he begins to tell the church and say, look, why have you turned away so quickly? Why have you turned away from the teachings of what, you, what you're doing? And they started to listen to, to the, the, the Judaism, uh, to, uh, to all these uh, uh, religious uh, leaders that were still around telling them, well, look, if you're going to come over to the faith and the belief in God, then you've got to do all these works. And that was completely contrary to what Paul had told them. And so now we've made our way all the way through those first 10 verses, and now we've made it to verse 11. And so for this evening, we're going to finish out this chapter piece by piece, and hopefully by the end of tonight, you can walk out of here going, man, I sure do know Galatians chapter 1. If nothing else, you can learn a little bit of the Scripture tonight. And so in your Bibles, Galatians chapter 1, verse 11 is where we'll start tonight. This is what it says. It says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. So those of us uh, who were here last week, you remember 
uh, talking very briefly about revelation and the lack thereof in today's time. Uh, and what I mean is, is that a lot of us rely on secondhand revelation, meaning you come to church and you hear what the pastor, what the preacher has to say, and that is all that you hear, that is all that you receive from the Lord in your walk. It's just what the preacher has to say. That is living off of secondhand revelation. And that, while it's good to hear what the preacher says, and it's good to come to church and hear what the pastor says, you need to be able to have firsthand revelation yourself, meaning you need to be able to hear from God yourself. You need to be able to discern, hear the voice of God, be able to stay close to Him so that He can reveal things to you. We don't always have to rely on somebody else speaking to us when we can have a, a direct line. Does that make sense? And so the problem is, is that what we see is we see a lack of that. And Paul, when he's writing, he says, look, I know that you have grown up and that you have lived in a culture where it was always a man telling you what God has said, and it was a man you know, who made himself uh, an authority figure. It was just a man-made system. I'm telling you, though, that the gospel that I'm preaching, it was not made from man. It was not, uh, uh, did not come from man. It was not written, uh, uh, you know, like when I say written, I mean made up by man. It was not something that they fabricated, but this was the gospel that I received only through a firsthand revelation of Jesus. And so when he says this, he is trying in writing this to eliminate the doubts of the people. And Paul actually, and we're going to see this all throughout his writings, is that Paul speaks not only to the people of that time, but to the people of today. Because we believe that the Word of God is applicable even today. Amen? Yes. Amen. So we believe that it's still applicable today. And so when Paul says, listen, the gospel that I am teaching and preaching, it was not man-made. It was not, it did not come from man but it is for man. Another translation, if you look, I saw this earlier, was that it says that the gospel that I received was not for mere human reasoning. Meaning that Paul, the gospel he is trying to teach, cannot be fully understood by men. And the reason that is, is that we as men cannot fully understand God. We have a limitation on our thoughts. We have a limitation on where our minds can take us. You know, just a very basic example is if I were to say, close your eyes and try and imagine what forever is like. Try and imagine eternity. Uh, The point is we can't because everything is finite. Everything has an expiration date. Everything has to end at some point, whether it is good or bad. And Paul He's saying, look, I know your human thinking because I think the same way, but you have to understand this gospel goes beyond your capabilities of understanding. That's why people today have a hard time understanding the gospel. They have a hard time understanding God because they can't get it past their thinking. That's why you might hear some people say, I don't see how God could save me. They're thinking in in their own rationality. Because by my rationality, as a man, if someone who came along and they were a murderer, they were a rapist, they 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 were something awful, I would say, no, you can't be saved. 
because you have done something vile and atrocious and awful. That's what I would say. But that's my man saying that. That is my human reasoning. By all human reasoning, you are a bad person and you shouldn't, there is no hope for you. Only you should just die. That's the only hope that I have for you is that you just die. But the gospel says that even the people that have sinned and gone way far off, I mean, you think of the worst person out there, even that person, God loves them. And God would happily extend the hand of salvation to them. And he would happily bring them into his family and into his kingdom. And that goes beyond our understanding. And so because of it, it's like we were saying Sunday. If you remember this past Sunday, if you were here with Pastor Lot, he was preaching, we don't like the mysterious. We do not like things that we can understand. And so when Paul writes this, he says, look, stop trying to understand it in your own mind. Because you see, when the religious leaders would come in, and they would give them the list of rules and the things that they had to do and what that would equate to, they could wrap their minds around that. Okay, that makes sense. It's kind of like having a job. A job makes sense. I go in, I work, and based off of the hours and the work that I do, they pay me money. That makes sense. I can wrap my mind around that. But what you can't wrap your mind around is you not doing any of the work, not having to do any of the hard stuff, and still getting the full sum of money. That's what's getting them tripped up. They can't understand it. Because they can't understand it, they run from it. And it happens even to this day. He says, For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ, uh, some, of the, some of the most powerful things that you will have in your life, the most powerful moments from God that you will have in your life will be from firsthand revelations through the Spirit of God. You cannot rely on me on a week-to-week basis to lead you in life. I will fail you terribly. Uh, I used to be like this. And when I say that, I say that I used to rely on coming to church and there being that, that one guest speaker, that one pastor, that one missionary, that one somebody that was going to have a great altar call and they were going to begin to prophetically speak over people. Y'all know I'm talking about those good church services where you're down the altars and the guy's just flowing and he just goes, let's say it the Lord and he just begins to speak over to you and you just throw up both hands and you're like, I receive it, Lord. You just cry and just snot everything just coming down your face. Yeah. And I used to be, that's what I need. That's what I'm after that. I'm after the next word. I'm after what, what the next person's going to say because it, what does it do? Prophecy, it encourages, it uplifts, it, it, it gives us reason to keep pushing ahead. But in doing so, in chasing after the secondhand revelation from man, I totally neglected just hearing straight from the source in God. And Paul wants to encourage this in the people of the church of Galatia. And I want to encourage it in you tonight to seek revelation from the Spirit of God Himself. That way you don't have to rely on man to have to give you that next fresh, powerful, fiery word that just gets you through the day, gets you through the week, gets you through the month. Just driving by myself. 
God has spoken all kinds of things into my life that have just impacted me in great ways. First-hand revelation. It's amazing what can happen when that's what we seek. But let's continue. Let's go a little bit further. Let's go to verse 13. Now, this is where it gets a little bit interesting. Paul, he brings up his past now. He says, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently, and I tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age, uh, many of my own age among my people, and I was so extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Okay, we'll, st- we'll, we'll pause here for a second. So now he brings up his past. And the reason being is he wants to show now the church the power of what he's saying. And this is very important because you have to understand never before has the religious system ever seen a life-changing miracle like the gospel is. The gospel threw religion on its head. Because religion was all about, I see you as how I see you. And that's it. There is no switching from Paul the persecutor to Paul the apostle. The, 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 that, that did not exist in religion. That did not exist in tradition. It was not something that happened. You could not just wake up one day and go, I am going to now be this. And so Paul says, but you know of my former life. You've seen my former You've heard the stories. Paul was a very popular man, and his name was very popular, but not for the best of reasons. It was to stay away from Paul, especially if you believed in the gospel of Jesus Christ, because he was going to persecute you. He was going to have you arrested and killed for your faith. And Paul says, you've heard those stories. You know who I used to be. And then he goes on to explain, he says, look, if there was ever a God that was more, more zealous, more, more anxious to become as uh, knowledgeable and as uh, uh, planted in tradition as possible, it was me. He said, I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Paul says, I was excelling beyond everybody my own age. Paul could have gone on to been been all kinds of uh, of titles and names inside of that system had he stayed. But then he had an encounter. He had an encounter with Jesus, and it changed everything. But that seems foreign to the people. That seems foreign to what they're hearing. And I love how Paul, and I'm going to call it subtly, Paul's Paul's not very subtle. When he writes, uh, he's not. He just goes ahead and speaks his mind. Uh, that, that's why I, I like Paul. Me and him get along that way. He just speaks his mind. Tell him how it is. Deal with the repercussions later. It's kind of like you know, you know, facts don't care about your feelings, kind of thing. You know, this is, you're doing wrong. Well, that hurts my feelings. Well, it's still wrong. So, <laughs> but that's why I like Paul. And Paul, he says, listen. I want you to understand that it is the tradition and the religion that seeks to violently destroy the church. He said, because I was about tradition. I was about religion. I was about all of that. And what was my purpose? What was my goal? If, 
we all know this because we all know the story of Paul the persecutor. He wasn't trying to expand his religion. He wasn't trying to uh, cherish his tradition. What was his one goal? Destroy the church. Destroy the church. And that is because religion and tradition will seek out to destroy the church of God. That's why if you go to churches today, and I, I... I see it before, and I'll see it again. But if we send in, you know, if you go to a new church or if a new pastor goes to a new church and there's just a lot of religious and tradition-based people, and I don't mean traditional people. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying like tradition-based. This is how it's always been. This is how it always will be, and we will never change. If you are around people like that, their only goal is going to be either join us or we will destroy you. We will chase the pastor out of town. We will chase you out of our church because it has to be our way or no way. And Paul understands this and he says, look, that's why I'm bringing this up. Because the, the God, remember, remember the church in Galatia, they've switched gospels all of a sudden. What have they gone to now? The church of religion. They've switched over to the church of tradition. And now Paul is coming back and saying, look, I've been there. I've lived that life. You know I did. And my only goal when I lived that life was to get rid of the real church of Jesus Christ. I want you to understand that. And Paul is trying to, to, to get that. Like, look, guys, y'all understand. I have seen what that does to you. I've seen how religion and tradition affects your heart. Because it's not the true gospel of Jesus. Verse 15. And this is where Paul begins to do what I feel everybody in here, and I, and I, hope, I hope you can take something from this tonight. I hope we all get to do, and that is to build our theology. Now, I know that's a little bit of a scary word. I'm not going to take you to a uh, a, a, a crash course on theology. I remember when I was in college, uh, I went to Lee University. I stayed on campus for one semester. Uh, I failed four out of my six classes. I got an A in one of them, though, so that was a kind of a plus. And I got a C in the other, which was Greek. Uh, don't ask me to translate. It's all Greek to me. Just a little bit of humor. So, um, But I went for one semester. I stayed on campus, and I had a theology class with Dr. Terry Cross. God bless that man. And I remember he stood up in front of class that morning, and uh, you had to call him Dr. Cross, too. You know, those of you that may have doctorates, you, you know what I'm talking about. You just, you have to at that point. You, you got all that work in. And he stood up, and he held his papers in front of them, and he began to use words that I had never heard of in my entire life. I'm talking like big words, $5 words. He said, he said, Good morning, class. Today we're going to look at the pneumatology of the Christology found in the book of Acts. And I remember pulling out my cell phone at the time and Googling, what does pneumatology mean? I realized I didn't know how to spell pneumatology, no matter how many times I tried it, before finally Google helped me out. Pneumatology started with a P, not an N. And that was absolutely crazy to me. 
Well, once I figured out what that was, then I had to figure out what Christology was. It seemed pretty, you know, easy, like Christology, the study of Christ, but I just wanted to make sure, so I looked into that. But that's not where I'm going with this theology. We're not going to go into all of that. We're not going to go into muddy waters and all of that. But I do think everybody in here needs to have an understanding of what you believe and why you believe it. Uh, I've told, I've told some, uh, some of our students here at church before that if you don't know why you believe what you believe, if you have nothing to stand on, then it makes you an ignorant believer. And people will pick up on that. And when they can pick up on ignorance, then your whole argument comes falling apart. If you don't know why you believe, if you don't know what you believe, then how can you believe? In the same way, when I was a kid and I believed in Santa Claus, I could tell you how he came, when he came. I could tell you everything about his life. Why? Because I watched movies. I read books. I did everything I could to understand Santa Claus because I wanted to catch him one Christmas Eve. And so I knew it all. I knew he had the magic snow globe that could see everybody at one time. I knew that he could slow down time on Christmas Eve nights. We could get to every single house in every part of the world all in just a 12-hour period of the day. I knew it all. I knew that his magic sack, because of Tim Allen's Santa Claus, I knew that his magic sack just was like a bottomless pit that he just pulled stuff out of, and there it was. I knew it all, but that's what I believed. And I had a reason to believe that. So Paul, when he writes this, when he gets into verse 15, he says, I want to give you now some more foundation for you to stand on so that you know what you believe. So we're going to break this down for for a little bit. So so hang with me uh, tonight. But verse 15 says, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me, In order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Now, that's three verses. We're going to go back and we're going to break it down. So let's start with verse 15. And we're going to go piece by piece here and see what Paul is trying to convey in this paragraph. And you got to understand, again, Paul is never writing just to write about himself. That's not what what he's doing. Remember, Paul is all about pulling himself out of the picture and pointing all the glory to God. So when he is saying, but when God called me, when God did this for me, when God, he is trying to show them that this this is who God is for you. That if this is who God is for me, this is who God is for you. That's what I want you to understand. He is laying down foundations of their belief in this paragraph. He says, but when he, in verse 15, but when he who had set me apart before I was born. So immediately Paul takes the opportunity to let them know that God separated you. God set you apart before you were ever born. God knew you before you were ever born. You know, he heralds back to what David said. You know, he he heralds back to what other Old Testament writers said. You know, and he's saying, look, you've got to understand, not only did God know you before you were ever formed in your mother's womb, God even set you apart. What does that mean? God, God set, you know, if I told you tonight, I said, man, God set you apart before you were ever born. You'd be like, well, great. You know, does that mean something? 
What it means is that we live in an evil world. We do. All kinds of craziness going on. I don't have to tell you about it. You know about it. But what it means is that despite all the evil, despite all of the bad, despite the things, when sin came in through Adam and Eve and separated God from man, God still looked into the folds of time ahead and said, I'm going to separate them I'm going to call them, I'm going to set them apart for me. I'm going to call them special. If you want to to do a little bit of research and looking into what does setting apart mean, to be set apart, it's all about deeming something, calling something special, and calling something yours. It is, it is signifying it as yours, signifying it as special. And so Paul is saying, God did that for me. Before I was ever born, God looked at Paul and said, I am calling Paul special, and I'm going to set him apart as mine, even if he does not choose me. I am still going to set him apart like that. And for every person in this room, he's done the same thing. Before you were ever born, before you ever took in your first breath outside your your mother, what he did was he said, I'm going to set you apart and call you mine. Because one day, one day you might choose to love me back. One day you might choose me. And he goes on in that same verse, he says, and who called me by his grace. Now again, you're going to see this as a common theme here in Galatians. Grace, grace, grace. And remember last week we talked about this. This is not the uber grace. We're not going to swing the pendulum all the way to the, to, to, to the, the wacko side, okay? Everybody say, don't be weird. Don't be weird. Don't be that guy. Don't be that lady. Don't walk out of here and go, I can do whatever I want because God's grace covers me. You know, don't, no, that's, that's not what we're saying. That's not what we're doing. Don't be that person. Remember, don't be weird, okay? Just don't do it, okay? But we're, not, we're also not going to go to the opposite side where everything is the law, and it's only the law that saves us. Paul says, no, look, it was he called me. He chose me. He, he, he picked me through his grace. Through his grace. And again, this goes back to the human reasoning. And this is why the church of Galatia, this is why the church of people now gets so caught up. Why do you think a lot of your religious and tradition churches are dying off? And that is because people have realized now that they don't want to do all the work to try and get saved. That's what religion tells you. You got to do this, talk like this, walk like this, dress like this, everything else. It, it, it's, it's stringent. It's the law. You got to do it this way. And then you're saved. And they say, no, we don't want to do all that work. Okay, well, why don't you come here in the middle where you've still got to walk right and live righteous and be holy because he is holy, but you also don't have to you know, make everything inside of a box. No, we're going to go all the way over here, and we're going to go to graces everywhere. And it covers me in everything I do, and no matter what I say, no matter what I do, and no matter where I go, grace, 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 grace. Paul says, no, listen. He called me by grace. He, grace is the basis of why we're all saved, but we can't fathom that. We can't understand that. We don't know why 
to go back to the to the older example, why does the guy who worked all day, we'll just go to a parable. We'll just do that. There was the parable that Jesus t- told where the, 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 the property owner decided to go out and hire some hands. Come harvest my crops. So he goes out at 6 in the morning and he says, look, you, 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 and you. Y'all want some work today? Yes, we want work today. Well, come work for me. I'll pay you this much for a day's worth of work. Okay? For, for today's standards, we'll say I'll pay you $100 to work for me today. Okay? Well, they get out there. They're working for about three hours, three, four hours. He goes, man, we need some more help. This is a lot of stuff we've got to harvest. So he goes back into town. He gets four, three, four more guys. He says, look, will you, 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 and you come work for me for $100 today? Yeah, we sure will. Day goes on, day goes on. He brings more people in. Finally, it's 5 o'clock in the evening. He's only got two hours of sunlight left. He says, look, i got to get some people in here now or we're never going to clear this field. He runs back into town and says, I will hire you right now for $100 a day if you will come work for me and help get this field cleared. They said, sure. Pay time comes. End of the day is done. He starts handing out wages. He goes to the people who were there last, people that came at 5 p.m., people who only worked an hour or two hours, and he hands them a $100 bill says, thank you so much for your help. Then he goes to the people who came first, who were there at 6 a.m. They worked 12 hours. He gives them $100. And they go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You're giving them $100 and they only work for an hour? We've been out there for 12 hours all day. And what does he say to the workers? He says, did you not agree to a $100 paycheck when I hired you? So why are you getting so upset now? It's not your business what I do with my money, is basically what he tells them. He says, I hired you for this amount, and I hired them for this amount. And the same way, grace works. That's why, <laughs> that's why some of us, we live a good life. We never had problems like alcohol. We never had drug problems. We never... You know, we've we've loved one wife or one husband all of our lives, and we're just kind of the picture-perfect person, okay? I'm not saying that's me. I'm just saying there might be somebody out there, and that's you. You know, and we look at somebody else who is just, just tore up from the floor up. They have got all kinds of issues, but God saves them. And you're like, why would God save them? It's not, it's not your business what God does with His grace. He just says, I have grace. And I have grace that will cover no matter who it is, what it is, where it is, it's available to all. And Paul wants to get that message so clear across to them that you are only called by grace, not by what you do, not by what you say, not by how long you've been around, not by how much wisdom you have, not by, by, it's by none of our own standards. It's only by grace. And then he goes into verse 16. He says, the one who set me apart, he was pleased to reveal his son to me. Well, that just goes back to what we said earlier. God would love nothing more than to reveal the gospel of his son Jesus to every person possible. As many people as possible. I think we could all agree on that, right? That God wants as many people as possible to be saved. Well, that's what he's saying here. That's what, he want, that's what Paul is trying to, 
to get across in this moment, because again, let's understand the culture here. The culture that they have been around all this time until Jesus was there was only one group of people that God loved, and that was the Jews. Now all of a sudden the message has changed. What Paul is preaching is completely different. Now it is it's the Gentiles and the Jews that God has called and that God loves and that God wants to reveal Jesus to. And he wants, he wants that message to be clear. He wants that message to be so crystal clear because there are people that are doubting and going, is God really available for me? Is God really open for me? And not just them? And Paul's saying, yes. Because he was pleased to reveal it to me. And you know my past. Remember, there's a reason Paul is one of the best writers you will see in the Scriptures. There's a reason he says everything. He says, here was my past. Now let's get down to, he says, he was pleased to reveal Jesus to me. He didn't do it begrudgingly like, oh, I guess we've got to save Paul too. No, he said, I, I would give everything to show Paul the gospel, the love, the grace of Jesus right now. And so Paul wants, Paul wants the church to understand that the same way that he did that for me, he can do that for you. In order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. And then he says this, he says, once that happened, he said, I did not immediately consult with anyone. Nor, verse 17, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and I returned again to Damascus. So now Paul begins, he says, look, once all that happened, once Jesus was revealed to me and I was saved and I had that encounter, he said, I did not immediately go and consult with anybody else about what had happened. I didn't go and start trying to meet other people. I didn't try to go meet the other apostles. I didn't try to go meet the other disciples. And again, this is Paul's effort to give God all of the glory here. And I'll, I'll give you an example like this. If, if I were to take, let's just say I were to take one of our students here at church, just one of our young people, and I were to take them and to any, any college campus around, and ha I was going to have them meet several different professors. And they were going to have to spend an hour, two, three hours a day with these professors for a while. Let's just say two weeks. By the end of the two weeks, if you talk to that young person, they would tell you all kinds of information. They would share with you all kinds of knowledge. They would share with you all kinds of things. Why? And we would all say, it's because you spent time with the professors. And they taught you everything that you're saying. That's it, right? We would all agree, yes. Because you spent time studying and listening and being around these much smarter people than you, that you have, you're now able to talk like this. Paul says that I didn't do that. I didn't go hang out with other Christians and apostles. I didn't go find Peter. I didn't go find you know, James and John. I didn't go find them. I went away to be by myself. I went away to be alone for a time. 
And the reason being is that when I came back and I began to write and I began to do ministry and I began to preach that everything that came out of my mouth could only come from one place. He was saying no man could have put words in my mouth. Nobody could have told me what to say. Because they would have said, Paul, did you talk to Peter? No, I haven't talked to Peter yet, but this is what God is saying right now. Wow, that sounds, you must have talked to Peter. Are you sure you haven't been hanging around him? Because y'all are preaching the same thing. He's saying, no, what you're hearing is what God has revealed to me. There used to be a thing that happened in churches called confirmation, where one person would get a word from the Lord And another person would get a word from the Lord. They would share and it confirmed the word. Now we both just happen to listen to the same podcast and we call that confirmation. Oh man, you heard that message too? Yeah. What's happening is is that Paul was trying to make sure that it was not happenstance. It was not circumstance. It was not anything that could be taken as other than he was saying, everything that I'm doing now is coming straight from the mouth of God. It is coming straight from the source. That is, that is why I'm doing what I'm doing. He even goes on to, to say this. He doesn't stop there. He actually takes six verses to explain his whole journey of being by himself and going off on this journey. Let's look at verse 18. Then after three years... So he goes away to Arabia. He comes back to Damascus. Three years have passed. He says, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas. Now, if you don't know who that is, that is just the other name for Simon Peter. Okay? So he does meet Peter, but this is three years after his encounter with Jesus. He says to visit him, and I remained with him for 15 days. But I didn't see any of the other apostles except for James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. Paul is just spending more and more time here saying, look, guys, I haven't been hanging around these people. I'm not just imitating and copying what they're saying. Can I tell you what happens when something gets really popular? People copy it. Me and my wife were talking about this yesterday. We were talking, there, there was this incident at our house. It was a travesty, really. I, I'm not a dishwasher person. What I mean is, is I, don't, I don't believe in the machines. I believe the best dishwashers are right here. And nothing can get them stains out better than my hands. If you ask Hope, who washes dishes at your house? It's me. She cooks, I clean. That's the agreement we have. But I get there and I scrub. I scrub. And I'm a big believer in Dawn dish soap. Now, if you use something else, that's fine. That's okay. But I'm a Dawn dish soap kind of guy. Now, one day when we were going over some finances and some budgeting stuff, because, again, we've only been married four years. We've got two small kids. You know, finances alter and change every so often, so we're just trying to stay on top of things. She goes, well, I think we can save a little bit of money if we start getting some off-brand things. And I'm like, well, sure. That that sounds great to me. I'm okay with off-brand. And so she brings home great value dish soap. Now, when it came to supper time that night, 
We ate. It was a great dinner. But it was time to wash the plates. It was time to wash the pots and pans. I took my rack. I took the great value dish soap. And again, if you use great value dish soap, that's fine. You're just going to go through eight bottles in one week. Because as I realized washing the dishes was I put about the same amount that I would normally do with Dawn, and I lathered it into my rag like I normally do. And I began to wash. Well, by the time I finished my first plate, I realized I'm all out of soap on my rag. Now, normally with Dawn, I get through like five or six things, you know, maybe more, just with one, one little drop of Dawn in the rag. I mean, that stuff just expands and grows miraculous rates. Great value, it just disappeared on me. It just evaporated. I don't know where it went. It was like Ezekiel in the chariot. Just, whew, it was gone. And I was left wondering, where's my dish soap at? And so I told Hope from that moment, and there was still almost a full bottle left. I said, go to the store and buy me some Dawn dish soap because I can't use this stuff anymore. And it, it was just terrible. And so there are some things that work okay off-brand, and there are some things you just got to get the brand name. But when stuff becomes very popular, there are copycats. Dawn dish soap blows up. Great value dish soap comes along. We're not Dawn, but we're pretty similar to Dawn dish soap. If you like Pop-Tarts, I love Pop-Tarts. That's another thing I love. If you're walking through Walmart and you pass down the aisle and you see Pop-Tarts right next to Kellogg's Pop-Tarts, you're going to see breakfast pastries. Now, it's the exact same thing, but it's a different name, and it don't taste as good. Now, if you're also walking down the aisle and you may see all kinds of different brands, you may see Hanes underwear. And right next to it, you're going to see Great Value underwear. And I'm only going to let you take one guess of how long Great Value underwear lasts. It's about as long as their dish soap lasts. And so, so what's happening is, is that Paul is saying, look, Jesus he was crucified, he died, he rose from the grave. If you remember the, the religious leaders at that time, what did they tell the Roman soldiers to do? The Roman soldiers ran back, they told the religious leaders, look man, we don't know what happened, but the stone was rolled away, the body's gone. And they said, go tell everybody. What happened was, as you fell asleep, his disciples came and stole his body just to make it seem like he was going to be right about his resurrection. Well, Christianity blew up after that. It began to expand at a, such a rapid rate, it was absolutely insane. If you just go back and study the historical impact, I'm not talking, you know, the, the, the Bible is, is what we stand on, but just for, just for a wow factor, just go study the historical impact that the move of Christianity had on the Roman Empire during that time. It was incredible. And so Christianity is blowing up, it's blowing up, but of course, what's going to happen? Somebody's going to try and copy it just to be cool, just to get in on it, just to say, I did it too. You know, for, for anybody who, who may be social media adept, once somebody starts something popular on TikTok or any other kind of media, everybody else is doing it. All it takes, if you're wondering why your kids or grandkids are in the kitchen doing all kind of weird dances, it's because some guy out there put a video up of him doing the same dance. Now every kid from here to the other side of the country is in front of their camera on the sidewalk by the street in their school hallway doing the same thing. And you're like, what are you doing? Like your legs aren't, that's not even a proper movement. You have no bones in your body. What is that? 
It's because they want to copy it. And Paul knows this. He knows that Christianity has now become so popular that people are going to seek to copy it. And so he says, look, I'm not copying what Peter said. I didn't go hang out with Peter and John and James and just came back to you and started regurgitating everything they said. He said, no. He said, because what I experienced was the complete revelation of Jesus Christ changing my life completely. That's what I experienced. And I want you to see that. So yeah, when I got saved, I didn't go hang out with a bunch of other people and learn how to talk and learn how to dress and learn what to do. I went away to myself and I prayed. And I sought God. And I sought more revelation on what to do now. And finally, three years later, when I came back, I was ready to preach and speak the gospel because Jesus himself shared it with me. God, through his spirit, spoke to me and shared that with me. And then verse 23, we'll read the last two verses of this chapter. He says this, because remember in the last verse, he says, I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. People, don't, people aren't recognizing Paul. They're not recognizing him. He says, they were only hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. This is the absolute goal for Paul's life, is that they glorify God because of what God has done in their, his life. And that should be our goal tonight. That no matter what you do in your life, no matter where you go, who you become, any of the sort, your goal should be that when people look at you, they go, praise God for what he brought you from to where he's taken you to. Praise God that you didn't end up like this. Praise God you didn't end up like that. Praise God that you are now where you are today. And that should be the mission of our lives is that everything we say, everything we do, it points to God. It points solely to him that we don't take any other credit. People will come to me. Once I close this out, they'll come shake my hand. And you are just being polite, and I love it. Thank you. But they'll, go, they'll go, man, Chase, that was a great message. Thank you. And I'm like... Thanks, I didn't write it by myself. You know, thanks, it wasn't all me. I'll say something like that. Because I never want it to be about me. I never want it to be about what I have done. I never want it to be about something that I have accomplished. Because one day Chase will die, and everybody will forget about me, and that's okay. But I want to, people to remember and give God glory for what he did through me. And that's the cry of Paul's heart here. That's what he wants them to say. I love the, the, the imagery. I'll share this. I love the imagery. And I first saw it, I believe, on Facebook. I believe is where it was. But it was an amazing uh, uh, imagery that somebody put out there. And it said, can, can you imagine all the Christians that Paul killed when he was persecuting them? Could you imagine when Paul finally died and he got up to heaven and he entered and they all saw him 
and they all just began to give glory to God. And, I, he's, and, and they ended that post by saying, that's the kingdom. That's the kingdom. The kingdom isn't about me. It's not about you. It's all about him. And it's through grace that we come to it, and it's by grace that we stay in it. And ultimately, we're just trying to give glory back to the one who deserves it all. And I love that imagery because I can just see it. I'm a very, I'm a visual learner. I'm just a very, I can just see it. I can see Paul coming in and they going, wait, is that, is that who I think it is? That's the guy that had me killed. And he's here now. And that can only mean one thing. It means that he met Jesus. He had an encounter with Jesus and he came to know him. Praise God. And that's the goal. That's the goal. If you got enemies right now, if you got people that don't like you right now, can I tell you that the best thing you can do is just give them every reason to see God when they encounter you? Give them every reason to go, man, what has gotten into them? What is it about them? What's going on with them? Man, it's just God. It's just God that you see, and it's God that you hear. But it's nothing about me. And I'm not doing any of this. If you will, stand with me this evening. I'm going to wind down. We're going to stretch our legs a little bit. Let some blood flow to our toes. Paul, and again, this is just the first chapter. We still got a few more chapters to go here in Galatians. Paul, he sets this precedent by saying, look, guys, I want you to know I'm coming to you in a place of love, but also in a place of correction as well, because I want you to see the truth of this. I want you to see the truth of this. And, and that's, what, that's my hope tonight, is that as we go through Galatians, and as we, as we finished out this chapter, that you see, that you see what it's all about, that it's not about what you and I can do. It's not about what you and I can accomplish But we're only here because of the grace of God. And because we're here, we have every reason to point glory back to the one who deserves it all. And that is why you and I are here. That is why you and I are here. I've tried to get into a healthy habit. There are bad habits and there are good habits. Bad habit, you chew your fingernails. A good habit, saying praise God whenever you can. I used to work for two and a half years with my father-in-law, and uh, he, was, he was a contractor. He was a builder. And uh, long story short, I really needed work when I was moving up to the area. I was going to become a youth pastor at a church, and the pastor said, I can't pay you anything. I said, okay, but I still feel like I need to be there. And so I went there, and uh, you know, obviously I can't live off of zero dollars a week, so um, I tried applying at several different places, uh, schools, you, you name it, banks, grocery stores, anything, just nothing. And finally, Calvin was his name. He called me. He said, you got a job yet? I was getting ready to marry his daughter in four months, by the way. You got a job yet? <laughs> I said, no, I don't. He said, all right, Monday morning, 7 a.m., I'll see you. I said, Monday morning, 7 a.m., I'll see you. And over two and a half years, he really taught me a lot about what I know 
not only just in contracting and building, I picked up a little bit of that along the way too. I know how to hold a hammer now. Amen. But I also learned a lot about just life with the Lord. And there were just days where it was just rough on us. The heat was rough. The people were rough. The situation was rough. Money was rough. And he had, he had this one thing he would say. Three words changed my life. There are just those people in your life. They just make such an impact. And he did. Three words. He Four words. I'm sorry. He said, praise the Lord anyways. Praise the Lord anyways. And so what would happen is, is that something would go wrong, and I'm sitting there, and I'm stressing, because I'm, I'm a stress person. I'm the one that kind of freaks out and hopes the one who's like, calm down, Chase, calm down. And I'm like, I can't calm down. because we get <laughs> She keeps me level-headed. And I'm sitting there, I'm stressing, I'm freaking out, I'm doing, and Calvin, I would just hear him back there. He would just go, praise the Lord anyways. That no matter what, despite it all, no matter what we're going through, no matter what it's all about, praise God. Give glory to God. Because that's all we can do with our time anyways. It's just give Him all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. Amen? If you will, I'd like it if you would bow your heads. I would love to pray before we go tonight. Father, I thank you. Lord, just for your spirit, I thank you for your presence. God, I believe, Father, that every person in this room, Lord, that, that you called them, you set them apart, and it was by your grace that you've saved them. But God, I also believe that there is more to their story than where they're at. And Father, I pray that starting tonight, that each person would begin to seek that closer relationship with you, Father, where in day by day they could begin to have fresh revelations and fresh words spoken to them by your spirit so that they could become father even more than what they are just so they could give the glory back to you god because god that's all we really want to do is give you the glory and give you the honor and give you the praise and god i thank you for who you are in jesus name amen man thank you church again have a great great rest of your week